What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to New Hill Talks, a podcast for the members and regular attenders of New Hill Church. My name is Michael Meadows. I'm the lead pastor at New Hill Church. I'm Gary Fox, pastor, pa- associate pastor of the month, two months in a row. Man, you seem like you're like in a rush or something. <laughs> Who else do we have here today? Mark Sherry, one of the members. All right. I'm Jonathan Gooding, and I am a visitor. Awesome. And I know you're standing far away, but you can introduce yourself because you're here. I am uh, Jared Holmes, uh, first star member. First star member. Yeah. First star member. I like it. Colonel. Colonel Holmes. (laughs) Colonel Holmes. Oh, man. How have you guys been? Good. It's been crazy. Before today. Yeah, before today. Good. It's been been good. I'm getting ready to go on vacation with uh, my wife's family. So uh, I always make the joke, what's the difference between in-laws and outlaws? Outlaws are wanted. In-laws are not. So I don't know that you can constitute a actual vacation, but I'm traveling with my family and my wife's family to sunny South Carolina, where we will have a house and a pool and enjoy the week. Good for you. Good for you. Um, did you come up with that? What's that, the joke? Yeah. No, that was a long time ago, and I just recycled it as if it was my own. Okay. Yeah. All right. You're, you're learning how to be a Southern Baptist president that's, around you. That's right. I just need an alliterative uh, response, and then I'll be good. Yeah. You have anything to say, Gary? No? Okay. Um, one thing, man, so I want to I work in reverse order here. Um, we usually do a, a sermon recap but, um, and then go into a topic. Um, but I want to start with the topic because I think the topic will be pretty short, and then we're going to go into a sermon recap but also dive in a little bit deeper on uh, civil obedience and the government. Um, as we uh, so briefly touched on it this past Sunday, there's only so much time you have, you know, in a sermon, anyways, when you're trying to to figure out what you know, what are we going to touch on? How much time do we have to to hit this? Um, how many feathers can I ruffle in, in one service? So um, we will discuss that a little bit further. But one thing uh, that that's pressing, especially in our camp right now, is this idea of plagiarism. Um, and I know I didn't give you like any heads up on this, but I know it's something that's pretty simple for us to talk about. Um, so if you're not uh, up to speed. Uh, at the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, we, we had our presidential election and we elected a, a new president, um, Ed Litton. And uh, since then, th- there were some concerns uh, on both parties uh, that, that were running in the, the runoff. You had Mike Stone and then Ed Litton. And um, Ed Litton came out uh, victorious and then uh, has since then, uh, it's, it's been a disaster and it's not been it's not really been like woke theology that's been the downfall in, yes. in the short two weeks. It's not been um, egalitarianism uh, versus complementarianism. The the downfall, uh, and it's so prevalent and in our face right now is he's plagiarized, um, and th- there's no way to get around that. No. I mean, you know, you go into like the team prep thing, and uh, you know, he and some of his other pastors gather together and they bounce ideas off of one another and they prep the sermon together, uh, whatever. It's fine. I, I know plenty of people who do that, and they do it well. You know, we even as as a church, we we talk about the sermon or the passage we're going through, and it may not be like super formal, but informal even through text. As something comes to Pastor Gary or Pastor Simon, um, they'll they'll throw that idea out there, and we take it and we talk about it. Um, Ed Litton kind of used that. Uh, you know, J.D. Greer was one of his friends, and he asked if he could borrow, uh, you know, some of the the concepts from the sermon. And he preached the whole thing. I mean, it was... <laughs> Numerous sermons. I'm surprised he, he even changed some of the illustrations um, to, like, not say J.D.'s daughter's name or something. You know what I mean? Like, how embarrassing that would be. Like, yeah, my daughter, Lily. Uh, wait, <laughs> that's the other pastor. Um, but, I mean, he blatantly, he, he took things. He took illustrations. Um, I was listening to a podcast, um, Doctrine and Devotion, Joe Thorne and, and Jimmy Fowler. And they talked about this, too. And, and one of the... Uh, Stillings, the, the plagiarizing, uh, he quoted um, Augustine, and he was like, yeah, one of my favorite things about Augustine, J.D. Greer said this, and then Ed Litton was like, one of my favorite things about Augustine. <laughs> and, and the point that Joe Thorne made in their podcast was, it makes you question the man now. Not just like, okay, yes. you, you took something, but do you actually know anything about Augustine? Like now, like you're making me question everything about you. Not just right. like, okay, right. you, you took something or didn't give credit. You're you're claiming to be a fan of this Augustine, and you're you're quoting him. You're making it seem like you're this scholar on Augustine theology. Like it's just bizarre to me. Like how do we get to that point to where we steal things, in in such a manner? 
I mean, it's sick. Isn't it? Have you seen it? I, I have. There's a I've YouTube seen, channel. There's for lots it. of videos. I saw the Joe Thorne one. James White put one out yeah. the day before yesterday, whenever it was. Who's that? J- James White, the uh, Reformed Baptist. Director, uh, founder and director of Alpha and Omega Ministries and an elder. Dividing, uh, you know, he's a massive. <laughs> <laughs> these so, two guys. So, so anyway, he, he, his, he was just dumbfounded. What, yeah, to yeah, your point, what kind bad. of a person you have to be to get to that point where you know what you're doing? I don't think anybody could say, well, he didn't know what he was doing. He clearly knew oh, what well, he was sure. doing, and he went full headlong. And then... How did he think he wasn't going to get caught in this age of audio? Like before re- recordings, you can get away with it, All right? They might stuff, they yeah. might find it on a print, you know. If you're preaching one of sermons, you know, popular sermons, then they could find that. But it, it's like he was just blinded to what he was doing, self deception. It yeah, but it, it questions his character. Big I, time. I don't even know what to say on a podcast like this. It's very. It's he should resign. It's disheartening. Yeah, I, I mean, think it's a disgrace. Um, so I agree with you. I think he. I think he needs to resign um, as president of the. SBC. Not only that, but he should be under church discipline. I, I think um, actually, guys. I think the whole team that that preps mm-hmm. sermons. Um, I think they should all be under discipline. Um, I think it. Ex- so I'm not taking anything off of his plate, right? Like any of the responsibility bearing the weight of his his sin, um, and plagiarizing. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, because they do team prep, uh, these guys knew. And there was a video that came out of one of the associate pastors also quoting or, and using J.D. Greer's content. So um, yeah. I, I think they're infatuated with J.D. Greer. I mean, honestly, because it, it's so weird that, like, there's so many sermons just from him. Um, what makes you wonder, okay, we know about the J.D. Greer thing because that's easy to cross-reference. But, like, how many but others? Who's going to – you've got to have to dig and get, almost, like, guess who else is his favorites. So we know about J.D. Greer, so that was an easy connection. Now, well, we know it's not Augustine. But then, Michael yeah. Meadows, he's going to be stealing But, like, does sermons. he steal from uh, Matt Chandler? Does he steal? Who, does, who else is he stealing from? He's not stealing um, from John Piper, that's I, for sure. Guys, I, I would be curious to see him. Um, I don't really, like, go around, like, listening to a lot of different guys like that. Like, I mean, there's, there's some guys who built a platform, and obviously they catch your attention you listen to them. Uh, Ed Litton, I'd never heard of him. I'm just being honest with you guys. No, I never sure. heard of him. Yeah. a good guy or had been in the past, whatever, uh, not doubting that per se. But um, I'd be curious to see him deliver his own message because he seems so unnatural yes. delivering J.D. Like, so even though the content was good, his delivery was just so off for me, Like where it was like, I don't know why you want to do that because you seem unnatural. And I would assume, having not heard of him before, that he's more natural than he was in those settings. Like, did you did you notice that? Did you pick up on that? It it seemed like manufa- when he's preaching. It seemed manufactured. Yeah. Yeah. And like yeah. to me, I'm and like, you've been pastoring for 28 years or whatever. Right. There's there's no way that um, that you've been kind of like awkward in a sense. I I feel like it, it's interesting. I, it's so disingenuous though. It, it, I I can't even get my head around it. Like it makes you. I, it, it's hard not to. It's, it's hard not sermons. to judge. What, about, the, what about the timing, though? I find the timing to be kind of mm. suspicious, because someone, my conspiratorial side, would tell oh. me that they knew about this plagiarism before he got elected. It just seems that that it wins, was the it was like wins, the day after, and then yeah, it was it was within like that week. Yeah, it was why within not, a oh, few they, days. Why not release it prior they disclosed, to, you know, if they're trying to get him out. So if believe we, me, if it was Mike Stone. It would have been released been, two yeah. weeks before. Yeah. It, and if we can be honest about this, too, like, you know, you can make the argument, like, really interesting about Mike Stone's timing. If you don't know what we're talking about there, you can go look it up with some of the abuse uh, claims from the executive committee over the past couple of years, uh, things that have come out. Those things, we need to do a better job collectively of if something happens, don't wait. And I tell oh. that to people. Uh, so I... This is a little bit different, but it connects the dots as far as, like, when something happens, address it. And you guys know me. Like, that's how I am. If there's conflict, you know, like, we'll address it now. Like, I'm not waiting a week. Um, I was working with a, a pastor, and I had done something that, like, rubbed him wrong. But he talked to me three and a half months after the fact. Right. And I told him, I'm like, honestly, as little of a thing as it, what you're saying it was, like, not that it didn't need addressed, but, like, I can't even speak to that event anymore because it was so long ago. And it... If you're listening to this, it, it was nothing crazy. It was just um, me, young in my ministry, just thought, like, I maybe said something immature. And I was like, I, I think maybe you were taking that out of context, but given how long it's been, 
I can't really say anything. He's like, yeah, I know it's been a while. And I was like, yeah, three and a half months. And he's like, oh, I didn't realize it had been that long. And I'm like, so like you're harboring this in your heart too. So especially when it comes to abuse or plagiarism, like um, anything, I mean anything, like address it, call it out. Abuse needs to be handled immediately. It needs to go to the, to the right uh, authorities um, if need be. Uh, if it's plagiarizing, that church is, is being misled by a wolf in a sense. Like it, it may be the right content, but they're not. That, that's part of the job of a pastor no, it's, it's, it it's is. To, to prepare the message from God's word to shepherd the flock, to right, equip them for the work of ministry. At New Hill is not the same people right. up the road, right? So it's the same word, but it's it's the application of it and the context of what your people are living with, you know, and they're where, where they live at. You yeah, know, they're, it's all different. And I don't think he'd be okay with them Actually, dropping out of his church to watch J.D. Greer every morning. It's hard you know to even I mean? compare because preaching is such a unique thing. It's hard to. Um, compare it to something else like what he did is like this right but i guess if you're a preacher and you're looking at it um it just it just is so crazy to me to do that like you you just i i, I couldn't do it well, I'm because not trying to, well plagiarism is I, sin well plagiarism is a sin but sure. to get up in front of the people of god behind the sacred desk and and do that it, there's right, a right. dirtiness to it. Yeah, it, 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 you, you, it makes I, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's like particularly shameful. Something it, is yeah. something is very wrong with that. There was one quote. Um, it was like a 15 minute long video. Aubrey hated that I was doing it. I was like doing an ab workout, like listening to this. There thing. you go. That's my one workout that wow. I do. Wow, mission. Wow. That's it. Stop. Oh, you guys. So, Stop. So, anyways, that's church so I'm I'm, I'm listening. Stuff. Stop. So I'm listening uh, to this, and what he says is he's like. Uh, pastor, just like maybe some of you are like, Pastor, we just need something, even if you got to steal it. He said that. He, and he was like using this example of like, we need fed. And it was in the stealing of JD's stuff. And he said, I mean, we just need some wisdom from God, even if you got to steal it. Guys, I can show, like, I think it's like the 13 minute mark. And that's that, unbelievable. But, but it's one of those things, you all remember the, the priest, he says, he says uh, it, it's better for a man, uh, one man to die for the sins of all. Yeah. And he didn't know what he was. Man, like how convicting that is looking saying, back at what he said. Guys, I heard J.D. Greer explain it this way. Nothing. I quote and guys then, all the yeah, time. Yeah, quoting them yeah. and just saying, I heard J.D. and I think this is so good. And this is the way J.D. said it. And just say that. So there's like a, whatever, I don't want to harp on it. It makes me want, it really shakes any credibility, to say the least, of the guys. So I just... For the sake of the convention, and I, there's just so much. I think it'd be we'd be more unified if he just stepped down and honestly, I think Al Mohler could just take it out. Yeah. Mueller, well, it wouldn't right. go that way though. Right. You understand the politics oh, of this. So there's been whoever no, the the first vice president. First of all, there's no in the in any of the bylaws of the Southern Baptist. There is nothing. The guy could murder somebody. There is no mechanism to get rid of a president. Okay, except for the next election. Technically, it, it traditionally it's a two-year thing, but they do re-up every year. So the only way to get rid of him, according to the bylaws, is the next annual meeting. But if he resigns, and usually they have to re-up. Uh, what you're saying is it goes two years, but you have to be re-elected. Usually, it's not a contested thing. Right. It will be this time. Right. But the uh, so there is no there is no protocol for dealing with something no. like this. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere as well. No, that's I a guess. fact. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing. Except for the next year, the next year. So, and, and their job is to appoint that committees and then, as well. and then um, conduct the the business meeting, the, the annual meeting. Yeah, that we but have. they've got major responsibilities appointing. Well, yeah, because the the, the committee's huge. Like you know every I mean? committee that they appoint, um, like it's a task force, and and they are completing stuff. Like They're, that. That's where the abuse came out of. Mm-hmm. It was that one of the committees was was um, is accused right now, and and they actually today just put out Ed Litton put out the uh, document explaining the committee he's got out the third party um, right. review. Yeah, investigation of those allegations. So, anyways, I'll say this, and not and, that the committee was abusing. Right. No. But that they were not they, properly they were negligent. dealing with it. Right. So. Um, I, I, we'll end here and then we'll move on to um, the sermon recap and then diving in a little bit deeper on civil mm-hmm. obedience. But I would even go as far as 
if you if there's a message and you liked all the points and the illustrations and you feel like it would greatly benefit your church, open up with and this shouldn't be like this should be once in a blue moon. Like I mean like you know, you're going back and you're doing a Spurgeon sermon or mm-hmm. Chandler comes out or like even who was that Jonathan guy? Jonathan Sinners um, in the hand of angry God. Yeah, like something like that. And yep. and uh they wear the clothing and everything. Yeah. Right. It's so like almost like a reenactment. But they yeah. tell people what they're doing. But yeah. you tell them, yeah, yeah, yeah at the clear. beginning. Yeah, and like, hey, I'm just being upfront with you guys. This message this was, was phenomenal. By Jonathan and, Edwards, and I'm gonna yep, pretty because mu- it was a manuscript and he can read it. Pretty much read it, yeah. And you know, like had he done that for like the one sermon, so be it. But yeah, plagiarism's a big problem and it's it's very disheartening. Um, to get into uh, this past Sunday, we were in Romans thirteen and uh, first Peter um, I'm blanking on the chapter off the top of my head right now. Two. But yeah, so it might have even been Second Peter, right? Let me look at it. Hold on. So, anyways, um, great passage, uh, great passages, um, a lot to talk about there. Um, and I'll go ahead and open up with. Uh, we always say, you know, what was left out, or you know, like what didn't make the cut. Um, not that it's not true, but you're trying to shave everything down to thirty to forty-five minute message. Um, and, you know, for us, too, one of the things that you, you take into account is being outside and um, the heat. So you're really trying to, to work with time. So um, we, I tried to lay the foundation of what is a biblical government. Um, and naturally, a question that would, would come up is, and the uh, rejecting uh, point, how far do we reject? When does rejection become resistance? And when does resistance become rebellion? When do we we stand up? When do we start to defend? When do we start to not just defend as, as if we're the ones being attacked, but we, we start to, to push back, right? We're going forward. Um, and I want to go ahead and, and open that up. But uh, yeah, I'm going to pass it on to, to one of you guys to start so, so out. I, I would just say the, the rule and authority that we go by is the scriptures. So you have numerous examples in scriptures. Michael just preached on one from Acts. Uh, another one is the Hebrew midwives, when Pharaoh found that the you know they were multiplying like rabbits, he gave an order to the midwives to kill the Israelite boys, and then they lied and they didn't do it, and they said, oh well these these Hebrew women are vigorous and they give birth before we can even get to them, um, and so they were they were honored by God for their righteous deception to save lives. And so, uh, Rahab, the harlot. Rahab, 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 the high harlot, yes. And, and you know, that's one where sh- these are lesser magistrates. They're not even really in an official capacity government-wise, but they're they are magistrating or, or uh, delivering babies, taking care of them, and they're defying the king. They're saying no. They lie to him, and they push back to save lives. So any, any situation which will end in uh, death, unjust death to people is an area from from the principle drawn out from that passage is we have an obligation whether you are you know the county clerk or you're the the mayor the governor however up high up you go before the top that's giving that order they and us with them have an obligation to resist that power and if the pressure is given back we match it equally uh and and there does come a point where you know, if it escalates, we don't take up arms as a first resort. That is a last resort, and it is in response to them taking lives. So, so I think that's one example we can use from Scripture. And then um, I'll, I'll hand it over to, to either one of you guys after this. But, yeah, that was one of the points, too, is, is Ben don't break. And I, I tried to mention that the church broke a long time ago and, and just not talking about these things at all. So it was like, oh, we're safe, but the problem is, is we're ignoring some Scripture um, that talks about these things. Now, and, and the preparation uh, for the message last week, one of the things that Pastor Gary and I talked about was um, even in your own individual life, right? Like if, if you were being persecuted, um, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of bending there, right? Like if someone's coming, like you don't preach the gospel. I, I just saw another video of a pastor being arrested um, in Canada. And, you know, he was walking out and he was asking them why. He was saying bye to his family. He wasn't fighting there, right? You know, he's, He's taking it on the chin. I, I would say that that, that man may even uh, be willing to lose his life uh, for that cause. His family wasn't being killed. They were being left behind. He was the one who preached the gospel. He's the one who broke an unjust law but was willing to do it. And I guarantee you if he gets out of jail, he'll go do it again. Um, so there's, there's a lot of 
bending there, right? Where we're not, at that point, we're, we're submissive. We know that it's wrong. Um, but one of the points that, that needs to be made is, is what Mark's starting to, to talk about and build up. Um, but it really comes from here in Romans 13, uh, where we see in verse 3, it says, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. So when Paul writes that, he's telling us exactly what rulers, those who have a position of authority, particularly the government, what they are supposed to be doing. And while telling us what, it's suppo- what they're supposed to be doing, it's also telling us what they're not supposed to be doing. So rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Now, as we talk about this, it doesn't mean that we think we're there, right? We're not telling you to go and, and buy your gun and, and get at it. What we're saying is, is this gives you that, that um, picture in which you are supposed to see the government in. They are to be a, a, a ruler um, that is not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Now, the moment that flips where they are a terror to good conduct and they are rewarding that which is bad, this is where we're starting to talk about the resistance, not just the rejection, which we talked about Sunday, but the resistance right. and almost the rebellion is when they're a terror to good conduct. Um, that is huge. So then they are no longer a ruler uh, given authority by God, but they are now a terrorist. Because Paul, in, for, in Romans 13 there, notice he says that the, the authorities that are instituted by God. Okay, so, that, so there are authority. Those are the, the authorities instituted by God were to be submissive to. That's not a debate. I mean, Paul could not be more clear in that in that passage. And then Peter in First Peter chapter two, or I'm sorry, chapter yeah, chapter two, same thing. Be in subjection to them, right? So there, there is that's a broad uh, blanket statement. I, I did, so I do think as we get into this, we need to remember, like we need to be more prone to cool our jets, okay. Um, but he defines, as Michael was saying there, how do we know if this regime, if this power is instituted by God? And then he goes through a list in Romans 13. They're not a terror to good conduct. They do not bear the sword in vain. They're a rewarder of good. They punish evil and so forth. When you see that, now, though, even those are very like you could be a very stupid government, a very ineffective government. In fact, you could even be a very corrupt ungodly, government. Yeah. yeah, a pagan government that maintains those basic tenets. And he's saying, when you see that going on, you be submissive to them, okay? But like you were saying, if he's giving us a list of check marks, then those check marks is like there's another side to the coin where we can use the reverse logic and say if this regime is a terror to good conduct, it bears the sword in vain, meaning in an unjust manner. So in other words, they have this... So bearing the sword means they have the God-given right to kill people. They have a license to kill, right? But these people are doing it in vain. They're doing it in... They're killing... They're executing people wrongly so forth and here here's just a piggyback back off on that a recent example was new york's governor andrew cuomo ordered all nursing homes to receive covid patients and with the information he and everybody else had those nursing homes had the moral obligation to say no and fight against the governor yeah they would have saved Thousands of lives. Same to the thing point where they should have, if they had to, hire private security yes. to stand there with guns yes. and say, and protect the elderly. you're not coming in here and we're going to make sure you're not coming in here to kill these old people, yeah. right? So so there's the key. And, and this is, I think, what needs to be said and said over and over until the horses beat dead and beat it again. Because... The, the problem is, is a lot of people will hear this and think like, oh, these are just, you know, gun, gun driven guys. Like we love the idea. Gun we, right yeah, wingers. gun nuts and, you know, um, yeah. So, Pretty I mean, much. yeah, but, but the thing is, is what needs to be said is we're not just looking to, to go out and to fight, but we're looking to go protect and not just ourselves. So that was the difference in the conversation you and I had last week is like, it's not about me, right? right. It, it's about grandma. Like, so it's like, and again, you made the point before the podcast, like someone coming to your home if, if they're coming for you or whatever, like, you know, whatever, you, you don't want to get your kids in harm. Right. But, like, if they're coming to try and take or harm your children, yes. that's when you're like, I want to protect them. Like, I don't right. want anything to happen to my, my kids. 
So it's not about you. So the difference is, is like, I'm not looking to go out and like some guy, like I drop my dollar, he walks off with it. And I'm like, oh, I need to shoot him because he took my dollar that I dropped. The difference is we're talking about protecting people, particularly in New York. What you guys are saying is thousands of lives were lost because of this order. Right. Which was so so and stupid it because it wasn't like oh in hindsight we realized oh that no. was a mistake no no we, we knew, knew it at the time knew. yeah every single one of those nurses every single stats. doctor they and every one of the stimulus they all the administration of those yep. uh, the administrators and everyone their jaw probably hit the ground they wrote letters and they said they what wrote. yeah well they and they, they, they let letters. it happen though yep so Cuomo obviously failed badly and I don't know what he why he did that I can't judge his heart. I can't. Only to a certain extent. But what were they do? It's not like they got blood on their hands as well. They should have said no. And then this ties into the justification for people owning guns. And why is it a Christian ethic to own guns? That is a good question because the Bible and Jesus Christ himself preached on, you know, we're, we're to be peacemakers. We are to be... Uh, we're to love our enemies. We're to turn the other cheek. We are to, as Paul the Apostle Paul says, we're to be submissive to... And Peter even said, you know, to your subject. to your master. Yeah, yeah. yes. Slaves to masters yeah. and mm-hmm. so forth. And so, not just to the just one. To right. Peter, Peter says well. to the unjust. Yes. yes. Right. So how do you synthesize this? And that's why I think it's important that we talk about that because on the one hand, all of what I just said, all of that is dead serious. You are not to be a violent person in your lifestyle. You are not to be, we, Christians are to be loving and peaceful and bring harmony and, and care for people and all of these things, right? That is so serious. But on the other hand, we're also called to protect the weak, to defend the weak, right? And so then that's where the tension lies for the Christian and it's important that we build from the Bible, not from the Constitution of the United States. You know, you can have the Second Amendment, but what if the Second Amendment's unbiblical? So we're not resting our, our, our worldview on what does the Constitution say? What do the founders say? All that's good, and I'm glad that they said, ultimately, and we'll get here, but that they recognize that this is a biblical ethic. But it has to come from the Bible, um, and the people of God need to understand that and I think this is where churches they 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 don't say nothing so you've got influences in the church of pacifism and then you've got right-wing like you know like militia types that are ready to go to war you know over masks and things like that um, the church we we need to be explaining these things so that way when you're sitting in the pew and you hear uh, after church guys talking on either of those sides and you will hear you know that it's that christians should have faith and so you don't need guns huh. and then you've got on the other side this idea that like we are to be like john j rambo um and just take the law into our own hands and then you get at a hair trigger which is what makes you hear both in any church which is about. what makes it difficult in like a 30 minute standalone message you know you're trying to, to speak to those needle, sides right? yeah and, and not and when we say thread the needle we're not we're not trying to appease any crowd. No, but, but you just want to be accurate. Yeah, you're trying to get two crowds to understand that there is a, a middle ground um, that calls for a lot of bending and submitting. So that would be for the, the gun nuts ready to you know go John yeah, Wick they need on someone. Yeah, like we're bending, bending, like even with self defense. Yeah, you may have the legal uh, right, if you will. I don't know if that's the right word here in this context, but. You may be legally justified, or it may not be illegal for you to pull out a gun and shoot somebody. It could be sinful. But it could be sinful. Because if you could have bashed them with your fist and ended the problem, then that's the option you should have chose. So like the Christ- so Christians need to understand there may come a point where you pull out a gun and kill them. Right. But that's because you, had, you were literally against the wall. There's nothing else to do. Now, sometimes it's bang, bang. Right? It, it's easier for me to say, well, why didn't you just punch the guy? Right? I, I carry weapons with me, but not every one of them is a lethal weapon. 
right? I, and ideally, just these guns. I got these his two muscles. Mark's, these Mark's thermo, pointing to his arms. These no, thermo nukes. Talking about Gary's. Yeah, but I've got, so, for example, I got a, I got a baton, a steel baton that's collapsible. You push a button and that thing slides out. And believe me, if I got a hold of somebody with that thing, they're going down. Naomi knows all about that. <laughs> so, so, and this this applies to, you know, more common situations that are less serious. It's not just death. So, for, for instance, uh, many sheriff's departments have defied the, the governor's unjust uh, mandates uh, on the masks, enforcing the mask, enforcing stay at home, where there's clearly not people dropping dead left and right, many of them across the country, most, you know, Florida, Texas, and we, we commend them now, yeah, Oklahoma. And, and so what are they doing? They're, they're, they're upholding the law. Now, right. the governor is not the law. He pretends to be. That is a critical law, but this I is, want everybody to hear this. But this, these, are, these are mandates. And so you, you, you have the sheriff's office protecting the citizens from things that are unconstitutional, unbiblical, unlawful, and they're defying him. And they, they could lose their jobs. They could, you know, but now there was some that would say Romans 13 says that they need to submit. Yeah, and those, so what you're saying is that we are submitting to the law, to the law, that's, which that's, is in compliance what, with Romans 13. Yeah. In other words, I, we're the ones obeying Romans 13. A governor doing something illegal, he's the one that's violating Romans 13, not me. So, so and what, a, a big pet peeve of mine is Romans 13, just obeying all things at all times for any reason. The law of our land, the king of our land, is the constitution. It's not an individual. It's not a monarch. And so <clears throat> that's, that's what we are called to obey. Uh, and, of course, we have to obey governors where they, they vary with the constitution and certain things, like, like abortion. Abortion is not a law. It's a use case. Roe v. Way, it's not the law of the land. It is still illegal, according to the Constitution, to do abortions in uh, the United States. And the, state, the states individually can, can determine that. People don't um, realize that. Ohio, no, they Ohio don't. They think could say they no think more legal. abortion. Yeah, that's right. They think it's legal, and it's, and it's not. It's not the law. Um, so so all, all that say, there are, there's, there's a scale of situations that you can look at, and I think it's good and helpful to look at those, like we were talking beforehand. I've, I've determined in my mind, if someone comes into my house, uh, and all my neighbors, our, our whole city, and take my ability to protect the lives of my family members away, I will, with them, fight to protect that right. Now, I'm not going to go out there, like you said, John J. Rambo, on my own and fight, because that'd be a really short fight. They would lose, uh, I would lose <laughs> honestly. But, but, you know, or if, if they try to take my children, uh, if they take my livelihood and all the li you know, livelihood of my neighbors, we should all fight together. That's in under communist regimes. You had pockets of people who stood up and said, <clears throat> you're killing millions of us, and they've overthrown governments so again, in different so countries. We're not talking about, like even, so the, the point of like rebellion, uh, you have it like civilly from the, the sheriffs, like you were saying, like the police, you know, not enforcing certain things. Um, but like even these communist countries, you're saying um, it became physical harm to yes. other people. So they yes. stood up to protect other people. That's right. Again, even if that meant shooting at government officials with bullets. Yes. Because it's like, hey, you know, like, so, I mean, a, a practical thing, and a lot of people may not like to hear it because it's an extreme thing, but like, you wouldn't sit back and let, you know, Nazi Germany, Holocaust kind of thing, like establishments set up in Medina, right? right. Like, no, because we don't want to see like children and families gassed up in chambers and, and killed. Right. Yeah, like, we don't want to see that. Um, it, it's wrong, but it's not just wrong in the sense like, oh, like you, you looked at a picture inappropriately you know like it was or you know you you engaged in a uh um consensual relationship even though you were married and it's like okay like that affects but like we're talking physical harm right, right. like i mean where where things are just unjustly being done and not just not necessarily just physical um but if there was systemic oppression to the point where like a and it was very clear that a group of people like redheads were being like mistreated um, and you know, like they were being targeted, we would say it's not right, right? Right, and that's why we stand against racism, or even right. like the sin of partiality, right? We stand up. If you were in a coffee shop and you heard someone, you know, a white man call a black man um, a provocative name, you are not only not only should you, but I think by scripture you're obligated to, to be a voice for him. Yeah, say whoa. Yeah, and like I've heard. Uh, well, what if what if they jumped the guy? What if they jumped the black guy? 
You know what I'm saying? Right but now, if you're able body, jump in. But if you're not able body, we have the ability now to pull out a gun. So even if you're in a wheelchair, you can even the odds very quickly. So if I could use an example here uh, of a recent lethal force um, scenario, is back home in West Virginia where my mom lives, and um, this this guy um, had his wife tied up in a car driving down the interstate and she somehow got loose so he like pulled off the interstate and then like into the parking lot of like a quick mart some kind of like drugstore or whatever and this guy in West Virginia saw him beating his wife like beating her and he confronted him and he said stop you know he said mind your business leave us alone so the guy went back to his car and got his gun and he brought it over and pointed it at him he said stop or I'm gonna shoot you so he like again and again warned him this guy gets off of his wife and charges at the man and he shoots him, right? And then he turns around uh, to, to run away at that point. And again, one of those like really quick instances, he shot him a few more times. But like, I, I think even for the, the gun, gun nut, try and stop it. You say this a lot, Gary, like once you get it to stop, stop. So even with that guy and, and the instance in West Virginia, you know, like he gave him several opportunities, you know, of, of waiting, like, hey, no gun in his hand, stop, quit that. He goes back, gets his gun comes back he says stop again before like i mean i think he could have pulled the trigger but he didn't he get arrested he did um he is still in jail um because i mean he's he's not been convicted what what is he he's uh what's the first step what i charged he's been charged yeah that's it so So here and i don't know all the details but based on where you're describing it i could just i could see some charges being leveled against him for shooting the guy once he was retreating and running away Legally, but the argument is is that it was so the fast. Heat of the moment. That's the thing where you have to like understand people are not ro- machines and robots. The Christian ethic, though, is when when the threat is over, you're you're done. That's that is the ethic. So I don't know what all that guy did or how fast the boom boom was, but you know you, we don't we don't go hunting for people, right? We um, we don't look for revenge. That's a big one. When you're dealing, especially when you're dealing with violence, so it's you apprehend or you, and it could be you kill the guy, because that was the only choice you had. But and, and we don't rejoice in that. No, like I mean, but we're when you kill the guy, in that situation, when you, know. you kill the guy, you're not doing it out of vengeance. Right. No. You're not doing it to pay him back. You're not doing it to inflict pain on him. Save a life. Yeah, you're doing it to stop it. Whatever is happening has to stop. So that's your, that's your, as a Christian, that's your motivation. Whether you're a private citizen, a cop, a soldier, you know, that like, you know, this idea that like you're, you're just going to, it's called overkill. Like you don't, um, you just do whatever it takes to make the situation quit happening. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, now we're dealing with vengeance and all these other sins. Right. And, and part of that, what you're saying is stopping is because we, we do believe that God's instituted government and authority to, right. to carry out justice, to be the avenger. I mean, Romans 13 says that. So if you get at the stop, if, you know, you're able to get at the stop without, you know, using lethal force and, like, actually, like, taking a life, then you let the judicial system do what they do. Now, we know that it's broken. We know that it's flawed. Uh, you may not get the, the result that you want out of it, but, but they are to do what God's instituted them to right. do. So they are to be the avenger. I mean, it, it says that. I mean, it, that's what was so interesting to me is coming right out of chapter 12. Paul jumps right into this. Literally, some of his last words are, uh, you know, vengeance is mine, thus says the Lord. And then he jumps into this. Right. It's like very important. Like, I mean, you see that distinction. Now, again, that goes into to what verse 2 or 3 where it says they're not a terror to good conduct um, but to bad. So when they're not carrying out vengeance, when they're not doing what God told them to do, they're being a terror to good conduct. So this principle, though, of going all the, only up to the point of stopping it applies even to our response to the government if they are terrorizing good people, quote-unquote good people, godly people. You, you, so in theory, and I don't know how in practice this would be, but so if you did get violent and begin to shoot live rounds at government officials and so forth, if there was a way to stop that insurrection... In such a way that whatever they're doing stops, then that's when the shooting stops. Now, reality is that if you're at that point, there's little reason to think that a ceasefire is going to stop it. 
So at that point, you got to go all the way and you got to replace them, either by arresting them and then you know charging them and, and taking them through a court system and so forth, or killing them, right? But in theory, just the, that 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 Christian view is everything is always defensive. They're making the offensive move by uh, oppressing people by being a terror. So we're not initiating any of this. It's a matter of self-defense. This the difference is that it's a different type of criminal. Instead of it being a street guy, it's somebody in a suit in a government office somewhere. And and for those who get nervous at the thought of executing a government official, it's not on. What we're saying is not for no reason. It's not because we don't like it. It's not unwarranted. It would be necessary to save lives. Just to make that point. Or to conduct justice. If, you, if we arrest him and there's a there there's charges of sure, of sure. Uh, atrocities or it, whatever it is, it, it would depend. then it would be a just thing to hang the guy because he's guilty at that point of... Well, you're saying through the judicial system. There would be a system for like that, right? Not like Mark and Gary running So if you're able to go and arrest question. him, go arrest him. But right. the question is, if it's so widespread that the judicial system is corrupt... Right, then you got no you choice. Have to, yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean... You have to put a new judicial system exactly. in place. Exactly. You have to overthrow... Look at how our government works. You know, when they captured Saddam Hussein, the guy didn't put a bullet in his head, right. which I think him. a lot of us in our Flesh. anger yeah. would have. Right. I mean, I'm just being honest. But what did they do? He arrested, arrested him. He was tried. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And, they hung and him. yeah, it was just so. So I mean, like even the way that they operate, um, I, I think that's a godly operation. What they did, like yes. they didn't just go and just shoot him. I mean, he was without weapons. Presuming we had the justification to go into Iraq to begin with, but that's another, that's another issue. But and yeah, he, and he argued during his trial that they lacked the legitimate the, authority. Yes, like, that was his. That was his case. That was his that defense. Yeah, um, but I, I was going to ask: Has anybody written a treatise on? Uh, on resistance to government examples, instances in, in the Old and New Testament um, that demonstrate believers either um, refusing um, some sort of act by the government or, or actually, actually revolting. I think it would be really illuminating to see what those examples are. There, there are that there aren't a whole lot from, from my survey. There, are, there aren't a whole lot of when it's when it's appropriate to resist the government. Um, obviously, you you talked about acts, and, and obviously, if the government is telling us not to preach the gospel, we're we're duty bound to to reject that. Beyond that, I don't see a ton of examples of Here. where we're where we're called to um, reject government authority. So, so Daniel three, Daniel six. He rejected the, the, you know, the governor's orders, but this is extra biblical, and I find this one interesting, that in 39 AD, Publius Petronius, the Roman governor of Palestine, refused to install an image of Caligula, a disgusting emperor of Rome, in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. Caligula, Caligula was enraged and sent a letter to Petronius instructing him to commit suicide. Shortly after sending the letter, to, uh, the letter, Caligula was assassinated and the ship bearing the news of his demise arrived in the Holy Land before the ship bearing the suicide order. Petronius is to be commended for his courage. Um, so there's lots, there's lots of examples. I mean, the reformers were big on this. They, you know, John Knox says, when the state commands that which God forbids or forbids that which God commands, men have a duty, not maybe you should, they have a duty to obey God rather than men, quoting from scripture. And I, I think um, there's probably not as many. Uh, Ezekiel 1 is, uh, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 22 um, is another complaint. So the, the, for you man brought up, stand the Yeah, you gap. brought up Daniel, what, what, what specifically did he? What, he was, what he he was told to bow down, just simple, just bow down and, and worship. No prayer, just no prayer. You know, okay. He opens up his windows. He's, That'd be a violation of a commandment. I think, that, I think that's the, the law. He's violating the law. Sure, but that's a violation of a, of a commandment. I think sure. I think where we're where we're in sort of a gray or fuzzy area is when we're not talking about a specific biblical command. Like take vaccination, like forced vaccination. Where are you going to make the case that what what law of God are you going to are you going to appeal to? So would that to be my, like my body, my choice? That's <laughs> that's on. not in the Bible. It goes under spheres of authority that God established, and those spheres. They are. They do not rule over each other. They don't have. So in other I, words, and I don't. I'm not. I don't have a case to make. I honestly right. don't know. I was, no, it's a good so question. So the individual. My wife last night. Where do we? 
where do we draw the line? Like for our children, I don't want my children vaccinated. Right. The government. So where do yeah. I, God put I, parameters on the authority of the church? He put parameters on the authority of the government. He put parameters on the authority of family. He put parameters on, on the authority, authority. I mean, of each sphere of right. authority. And so then, then the question for the Christian is: Is the government instead of saying, "Do we can we show in the Bible?" Um, uh, uh, examples of when we could, you know, revolt per se. The, it's almost like you have to employ a bit of reverse logic, and you have to say, does the Bible define the government as having authority to force needles into my arm and shoot me up with something? Can, does the government have a biblical uh, authority to do something like that? The at that point, you say no especially under what we know now about what, what's going on with these vaccines per se. Like, they really don't have any authority to do this. So once they don't have the authority to do it, then you don't have any obligation to listen to them. You don't have, just like I have a wife and Michael has a wife. Wife submits your husband. So I'm a husband, Michael's a husband. Michael, though, doesn't have the authority to, to instruct my wife to do something. Yep. I don't have the authority to instruct his wife to do something. Because that's outside of that sphere yep. of the family, right? right? And so it's the same thing with the government. They can only do what God has commanded them to do. The minute they're doing more than what he's commanded them to do, it's illegitimate. And so then you take whatever measures necessary to fight back and push them back into their sphere. Well it's said. like, here's your, here's your lane. You, have, you don't have government. You don't have... It's not up to... You don't define... Your sphere, and I don't, and so as the individual, I don't define my sphere, which I think has already and happened. Like I mean, people—that's where we are. People rejecting um, these these vaccines, and the idea of like vaccine passports. Now, again, it's all still up in the air, right? Like how far it's going to go. But I think a lot of this this open rejection from from people has led them to like reevaluate, and they're trying to figure out how to word it and how to be crafty with this deceitful scheme of, particularly like mandatory vac vaccines. But they're finding ways around it without making people get them, which is interesting. But it, it came from the resistance, like even just verbal. But like people were like, no, I'm not going to do that with masks. People started to say like, all right, enough's enough. So you see like that kind of pushback works. Even So that's, that's what's important too is it's not just always getting physical, but like don't be afraid to like stand up and speak about these things because right. again – the church broke a long time ago, so that's why the government's been doing whatever they wanted. Because the church has been defining. That's our job well, is to define these things. But and we're not doing but we it. Don't, but we don't even have to define it. It's already there. No, it's it. So, what so I was we're saying, just upholding it. Yeah, we're proclaiming it. Right. What already God has already defined. Churches have been right. have wet their pants and they're scared to death to say these things. Right. So then what? Now you got people in the pews. They don't know what to think. Mm -hmm. They so, don't know what to think, and the pastors have nothing to say. So then you've got confusion, and, and there's a vacuum that's created. And the government, in particular, has no problem filling that vacuum. So we're, we're to care for the poor and for the sick. Well, we'll do that. Wait, wait a minute. God didn't tell you to do that. And by default, they will do nothing if they don't know what to do. Yeah, no, they'll, take, they'll put yeah. up with it. Yep. They're sheep. The Bible uses that language. So the shepherds are supposed to guide the sheep, lead the sheep. And protect the sheep, um, because that's the, that's human nature. So we need churches that that will define these things, not out of their own, but like from the scriptures. Say, guys, these are the parameters. Then it becomes clear. Then the guy in the pew is sitting there going, oh, "I get it now. I see where how far to go. How to you know you have a better clear. There's more clarity. Mm -hmm. But I think that uh, because we've we've abdicated that whole thing." Like, we, we just don't want to talk about any of this stuff. And now we don't know. Well, I don't know. Does the government have the right to, to shoot me up with something? Like, oh, uh, churches. When was the last time any churches even talked about these things? Mm -hmm. From a biblical perspective. from Not a libertarian perspective. Not a constitutional. A biblical perspective. If we don't say it, then that, that's, why we're, that's why there's so much confusion. This isn't an overnight thing. Previous generations. Right. These guys. This all ripped. Churches were far more clear about this kind of stuff up until probably the 1950s and then the 60s. And then they started this, we stay out of politics stuff. We're 401c3, so we're staying out of it. 
We don't. We talk about only quote unquote spiritual things. We let the government take care of the rest. Mm -hmm. And then the people in the pews are just like, oh, I, I don't know. Does the government have the right to take my money and, and send it to Afghanistan? And do they have the right to do? Does the government have the right to go bomb people that are not attacking us? Does the government have the right to do these? I don't know. I don't know. It's because we don't. And the Bible tells us, though, the Bible is very clear about these things. Um, and that we sound like wackos here in 2021 saying these things. It's like, whoa, are these guys far right wing nutcases? It's like. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, and maybe I'm just goofy enough to just say it. Mm -hmm. I think there's two issues at play. One is resistance, and the other is rebellion. And I think we're kind of talking about resistance, and mm -hmm. uh, in particular cases. So, are we as believers? Are we called to just reject certain laws, right? Or resist? I just wrote laws? a paper on this issue. And then when does it? When does it? When does it? It actually comes out of into so rebellion. The justification for rebellion comes out of Romans thirteen, because we are commanded to obey and submit to God instituted government. That's not optional. So if we have a power in, we have a, a regime in power that is not instituted by God, and we can clearly see that they are not based on. They don't match at all the description of it in Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, and all these other places. We cannot obey that command as long as they're in power. Do you see that that's a conflict? We're now being disobedient. We're submitting, instead of doing what God says to submit to God-instituted government, we're submitting to God-uninstituted government. So now we as Christians are going... We have to obey Romans 13. You're not instituted of God. So you have to go so that way we can have a replacement for you, which is instituted by God. So we can, does, you follow my logic sure. here? Well, so, so in I, order what to. I would say is, so what that made me think of is um, ever since 1973 in Roe v. Wade, right. the government is uh, not only tacitly. Um, uh, endorsing abortion, but it's, but but now is actually funding abortion, which is the yes. slaughter of the innocent. It's terrible. A clear violation of God's law. Does that mean that we should have been in active rebellion against the United States government since 1973? I think that. At what point do we decide that's a good that? Question. Because if that's if that's truly the case, what are, what are we doing? And then why, you why amplify. We, we're, we're we're in a sense tacitly endorsing. The slaughter of children because we're not actively fighting. And then you compound that with what we've done in the Middle East and all of the people that we've bombed and all of the... You look at the, the totality of it, it's not a small thing to talk about usurping the government. And the reason why I would say, at least up until now, we're not there, but we're going there if this doesn't stop, is because up until this last election at least, the people have had a non-violent solution at their fingertips. And it goes back to using the least amount of force possible to deal with sin, to deal with wicked oppression like that, right? So we have up until, I would say at least until 2020, we have had the ability to stop it non-violently. And as long as that card was in our hands, then I would say that we should not be playing the other card. But now we're at a point where we don't, I, if you trust elections now, I mean, I don't even know what to say. Um, so we're going there. If, if we so, don't have, so a, part if we no longer can, can reliably vote these people out, now that card is out of our hand. That only leaves us a couple more cards left to play. But they That's how I would answer that question. It's a darn good question. They can act ungodly, though, and, and we still live peacefully, right? I mean, like, that's one of the things that, that we've been talking about. And I think what Jonathan's saying is makes it so difficult to understand, like, where that line or, like, what the threshold is because... Um, like, how ungodly is too ungodly? Well, I mean, like, even... So, so the difficult part for me in defining this... So this is where it's muddy because, you know, what Jonathan's saying is, like, there's no particular example or a straight line. So, yeah, we can look at, like, what their, the government's instituted to do. We can look at their sphere of authority and understand when they're working within that sphere and understand when they're overreaching, however it might be, based off of the God-given authority. But 
But like, even when you look at um, the passage from First Peter two, like you start to look at being treated unjust unjustly by a master. So like, that's at least for me, what I was saying earlier is, is is when it becomes a harm to other people. When people other people are being physically harmed. Now you can do whatever to me, and um, and yeah, like I don't want you to take my life if you come and act violent. We violently with me you want to throw hands like that's that's your own prerogative and you know you'll catch whatever Depending you catch what's but like going on, but you may have the right to fight back though it's not like you no 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 what, I, what i'm up. saying like if you go and you throw hands now if if the police come arrest me for preaching the gospel or they come to arrest me because of whatever then they're arresting me and you know like we'll we'll let the charges play out but like throwing hands is different but like when when is that like that time like is there a clear line of like this is when you have to overthrow? Because I think one of the points you're making is like, we're our government's already breaking uh, the law of God, and and the For things sure. that they do. So like, and they have since day one, right? I mean, we and have it's but, but it's every, not minor. This is like egre- egregious, right? right. Egregious. And every, no, every government. I mean, there's there's none that are upholding this. I, I would go. So I guess my answer, whether satisfactory or not or whatever, but it would be. You use the least amount of force necessary to stop it. And if you have a nonviolent option, you exhaust it. Fight against it nonviolently, and we can do that through uh, electing our officials and so forth and passing local ordinances and doing all these things that we can do. I would say, and this is why the Second Amendment thing gets real sensitive, like, you're not taking our guns, because that has to be on the table. Guns against the government has to be on the table. Agreed. It has you no, to You be. have no way to defend yourself. Yeah, right, because at a certain point, when when the nonviolent options are off the table, we cannot yeah. stop this now unless we pull out guns. Then we got to go, then it ratches it up. Like, you don't want to bring a knife to the gunfight. No, no. And you don't go bring a protest sign. To uh, no. you know, we're going to protest outside of uh, the abortion clinic tomorrow as we're recording this. You know, th- that's great. You know, but if if that's if that's not an option, then you've got to go to the next option. So you ratchet up the the heat on what's going on to, to make it stop. And so if that's if that's no longer an option, then you do. And any one of these issues. Could be the tip that could be what breaks the ice, whether it be abortion, whether it be forced injections um, of whatever, um, of confiscation of wealth. If the government just seized all bank accounts one day because we're out of money, and you know, that's a fear that happened in Greece, that's not like a theory, like they just seized. And when you cannot stop the government from oppressing you by any other means, then, then that's what you have to do. So that means that, that's why I was, it's like the threshold is very, very high. I mean, if you look at the founding of America, I think you can make an argument that they were pre premature in what they did, really. Um, we celebrated July 4th and woo, you know, like this is great. I mean, you understand like the fireworks, all that stuff is symbolic of the bombs that we dropped and the cannon fire and so forth against the... Uh, against the the British Empire but um, so the threshold is high and we resort to violence that's on the table it's godly if need be but it's the last resort not the first one so you'd never advocate for a a proactive sort of a proactive throwing off of the government you wait until some particular so the pro yes proactively this government needs overthrown our government right now needs overthrown and I actively work every day of my life to overthrow this government. Okay, I'm doing it nonviolently right now because that's an option, right? But this needs, like, we are so far off. Like, we have a government in the United States that is illegal. Most of it is is illegal. It is not constitutional. Which I think so is- I am working to overthrow them. Every time <laughs> you vote against somebody, yeah, that's true. You are voting to overthrow his regime. If you voted and against John, Donald Trump, that's true. you were voting to overthrow him. And Jonathan's talking about a forceful, so, violent overthrow. As long, right? So, I'm, so yeah. I'm trying right now to overthrow the government, right? We have peaceful means, I believe, at least up until this last election, and I'm still assessing things now. But th- that is part of the overthrow, right? Until that then is removed from us. We no longer have peaceful options. Then you begin to form coalitions. 
Then the governors of states may need to say, we're, we're out, we're done. We're going to create our own government. And if you got a problem with it, we're going to kill you. Yeah. We're doing this. So it's like overthrowing the government, this government in particular, the answer is yes. It must be overthrown. How it's, it's so the yeah, process so, yeah. that we're going through right now, use the least amount of force possible. But the end result has to be the same. This mm-hmm. government is anti-God. It's anti-Christ. Period. And he's king. In a sense, so, you're never done overthrowing right, it. Because it's constantly yeah. reforming. Constantly. Yeah. So you're constantly... That's a great, great word. You're just reforming. moving it that way. Yeah. Um, and then if we... if it So... But if the peaceful means are off the table, then you've got... And I'm standing on the shoulders of the founders. If you've got a problem with what I just said, this is why they want to get them out of the history books yep. and tear down all their statues and get rid of the American flag. I remember listening to Rush Limbaugh like three years ago when the big controversy was the Confederate statues and Confederate flags. And I remember him saying, folks, they're going to come after the American flag next. You yep. watch. They're doing it. And now it is. Now it is. This it, Even in the last couple of months, it's really starting to amp up. Where even now, if you wave an American flag, it's a it's a, it's a, uh, it's a dog white, whistle. A symbol of white oppression. Yes. And, and white supremacy white and right-wing extremism. Mm-hmm. So Mark has a shirt with an American flag on it. We're supposed to. You're not supposed to feel patriotic. You're supposed to know that this guy here, at the very least, is a right-winger. And is is anti you know anti minority and and for an oppressive so correct all all so I stand on their shoulders. This is what they taught us. This is what they said. They said that the what the tree of liberty is watered with the blood of tyrants. Yeah, that that's what they thought, and they got that logic from their understanding of in large part. Of the so, scriptures. So pr- practically speaking here, I think a really important question every person needs to ask themselves is, what level of preparation do you feel is necessary? Now, I know there That's are good many people who prep, and I am not one of those. I, don't ha- I probably have you know, four weeks of food, and I'd eat it in a week, right? But everybody needs to give due, due thought to, how am I going to protect my family? Um, how, how are we going to survive in circumstances? It's, it, you know, if you, if you fail, what is it? If you uh, fail to plan, you plan to fail. It's just, it's, it's necessary. Now, Lord willing, nothing's going to happen big. I don't think there, I, I personally do not think there will be any kind of civil war in my lifetime. Uh, but it could happen. Yeah, post mill baby. Do, yeah, it, could, it could happen. Better and better. <laughs> and... and you know, I, it just, I think it's an important question. Every man, every man should think through and have a plan with his family. If someone were to break in his house, who goes where, who does what, you know, how are you going to defend yourself? That, that goes for, you know, communities as well. Uh, the churches. state has defense plans. Churches. But church, yeah, churches. Well, I mean, even schools. I mean, like yeah, they, they look yeah. at any kind of disaster. What do you do in case of a shooting or um, a chemical um Whatever. Warfare. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Like, uh, like if gas gets released, in oh, gas, like, yeah, yeah, gas leak or whatever. Like they, yeah. they have a shelter in place, things like that. So yeah, I mean, like planning like that's great. You know, I tell Maley all the time. You know, get good at hide and seek, or you know, you're on your own. That's what so we. So we're do. definitely in a context though where I think Christians ought to be able to say this government must be overthrown. This is not. This is a government that is not bound by law. Right. They do what they want. They print money. They do these things that are ungodly, and so it has. To, so the, the question is not of if, it's how we're to be doing this. Because we're commanded, by the way, in Romans 13, to submit to God-instituted government. Yeah, so uh, a question that will come up, and our time's closing up. We're, we're over the hour mark. But, um, what, I mean, what would you say to, to the Christian who's like, well, what about the missionaries overseas in communist countries, like where they'd be killed before anything could get started? Is that why you would say that they should submit? Because they would be the only one and they'd be killed? I think that they should um, make disciples of that nation. And by by doing that... So that, you're saying yeah, because of our freedoms, we can prevent it from happening? If we, yeah. if we step up now... I think that any missionary that got himself into North Korea somehow should be preaching the gospel. And part of that, the whole counsel of God, is also letting them know... That you are submitting to an ungod, an institu- a government not instituted by God, 
And so in order to obey God, you've got to kill that guy. And you've got to overthrow this government. That is part of Which is part making of a law. disciple. Yeah, yeah. disciples of the old nation. All of the Bible. So yeah, so missionaries are to be subversive to any power that's resisting the spreading of the gospel and is oppressing the people. Um, and so there's pris- there's we got there's missionaries in China right now that are in prison be- under charges of being sub- subversive and so forth. So it starts with the gospel and understanding Christ is King, not the regime. Christ is the regime doesn't give us our rights. Rights come from God. So there's there's like ramifications to the preaching of the gospel. So they may not be over there training people on how to use guns, but if they were, it depends on the context. Yep. But that may That's be right. very well justified in them yeah. doing that. That's right. I, I love that answer. I think that's very balanced. And I think anybody who would disagree with that would have a hard that's time. That's why if they don't want missionaries genocide, over there. If there's gen, That's why they put that's them in That's why prison, Christianity they, is oppressed. They, they hmm. understand what the Christian message is going to result it in. It will do their downfall. It's, yes, 100%. It will un, every single... That, that is the only reason why. They don't give a crap what you think and believe. They don't care. They care about their power, yep. and they know that the, the the that the gospel is life transforming, and it's also cultural transforming. It's radical, and so it would undo. The, and so that's why they imprison people for preaching the gospel. That, that's why it condemns their own system. Yeah, and it will what crumble. They do. Yep. It will, if people in the nation begins to recognize Christ as King and Sovereign. It's over for them. It yeah. is so over for them. And they know that. And so mission work is, it boils down to making disciples of all nations. And so their their purpose is to make that nation a Christian nation. Hmm. There you so go. there's ramifications for that. Well, we hope that this podcast helped you to put Jesus in the perspective. If you have questions, and I'm sure you do, we'd love to answer them. So please email those to engage at newhilloh.com. And we'll get back to you uh, as quickly as we can. Or you can go to newhilloh.com slash ask and send those questions in again so that we can help answer those and help you to grow in your faith and put Jesus in the perspective. All right, church, go and honor God in all that you do. Observe the things he's commanded. Provide to the needs of others and extend the offer that's been extended to you. Peace. Godspeed. Boom.